0: Do you like this show and want to help support us? Want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Then head over to patreon.com slash and become a Patreon supporter of this very show. Programs and welcome back to another episode of the Nerd Cave Retro show. My name is Jason Robbins and my name is Derek Diamond So Derek it's been a few weeks since we've been in the chairs right what's was funny is I'm actually
1: doing my show on location so it's it's even longer for me uh, We actually so at where I work we've kind of started this tradition over the last couple of years that we do some type of Halloween themed short film mm-hmm Well, we filmed uh, this year's Today. We actually finished it in four and a half hours. Wow, that's pretty fast. (laughs) Which is, I mean, we we kept the script pretty short and pretty digestible for everybody. So we were able to fly through it pretty quickly. So um, that'll be released uh, actually on Halloween day. So I'll actually, uh, I'll share it on our social media as well. Yes, uh, once we release it. So it's 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 going to be made in the the light of your old like B quality monster mm, movies.
0: That's awesome.
1: Like the really old obscure ones, <laughs> not even the good ones. Hell yeah! So it it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and doing stuff like that, you know, with people that I work with is is always fun, and it's a highlight for the year. So it's, you know, it's the off season, so we get to be a little more loose and do some more fun occasional things like that. So
0: yeah, I got to see I'm, the one you guys did last year. I'm looking forward to seeing this one.
1: Well it's it's not it's not a sequel to that one. It's one that's completely different. It's yeah. we we had some instances happen that caused us to kind of change what we did. But <laughs> I think the one we did this year is going to turn out really well.
0: Cool. I can't wait to see it.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely send it to you when it's done. I, I'm not gonna lie, I'm exhausted because <laughs> I've just so. been going nonstop. I mean, I know it only took four and a half hours, but it was a nonstop four and a half hours. So, yeah. but other than that, you know, just um, did my first podcast interview for the revamped Derek Diamond Experience on Sunday. It was actually really good. Uh, it's going to be one of the first that I release in January. It was with um, two filmmakers who are based out of Vancouver and they um they re- they recently did uh, a short like horror thriller type film
0: uh so they talked about that and some of their other projects they do so it was it was good awesome getting uh getting you some episodes backlogged for when you come back huh gonna gonna try to i've got i've got one possible lined up for next
1: week, and then i gotta sit down and just send a few you know follow up emails and okay. whatnot but you know things things are happening. That's awesome.
0: What about you? Uh, I did want to say thank you to everybody that came out to the live episode last week at the Gulf Coast Fan Fest. We had a great, great time doing that. And uh, everybody that showed up, thank you so much for being there. Yeah, it was
1: great. You know, just getting to interact with people and doing panels are just so much fun. They've become, you know, a highlight for me whenever I go to a convention is – I think even more so than doing moderating, I love doing you know or being a part of panels just because yeah. it's just fun banter. And, you know,
0: you, I, myself and Wally had a really fun time. Yeah. And it kind of inspired us to actually do more live episodes. So uh, I'm going to start working on that at a, a local nerd bar here in Biloxi, Mississippi to do uh, probably about once a month. Uh, maybe one here. We'll maybe do some in Pensacola. Um, but do some live episodes about once every two, three months or so. I think that'd be fun to do. Oh, for sure. And it, it will only help, you know, grow the exposure of the show. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, <clears throat> I also wanted to thank everybody for, uh, for checking up on me and, um, you know, sending their well wishes and everything. I've had a couple of rough weeks with some medical issues. Um, everybody knows that I've had some issues over the last month or so with kidney stones, and I had two operations in the last two weeks, um, and especially last week when we did the live episode. I was in a lot of pain when we did that episode, mm-hmm. but thank, to, thank you to the wonders of modern science uh, and modern medicine, I was able to get through it with the use of painkillers. And, um, uh, thankfully yesterday I had my second operation, which I actually feel really good now, uh, the first time in a month, I haven't had any pain whatsoever. So I forgot what it's like to live pain free. That's fantastic though.
1: I mean, I, I could tell, you know, when we were at the, at the convention that you were, you were not feeling the best that you've ever felt. So <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm glad you got all that squared away.
0: Well, hopefully I won't have to deal with uh, kidney stones for at least another couple of decades now uh, after basically having a garden hose uh, implanted in my body and being blasted with sonic waves, which sounds awful, but at least I was asleep for it.
1: Yeah, let's just hope you never have to deal with kidney stones again. Oh, God, I I, I wouldn't wish
0: it on my worst enemy. I've been in those shoes before and they are not fun. And I am the the one that prompted all of this. I had a kidney stone that got stuck in my ureter, which is the the tube that goes from your kidney to your bladder. It got stuck for 6 days. Oh my god. <laughs> so yeah. Oh. When I do it, I do it right. Uh, let, let's, let's move on to a lighter yeah. subject, <laughs> but, uh, we're going to skip the news this week. Cause we got to do a little bit shorter episode. I actually have a birthday party. I need to get to this evening. Um, so we're going to go straight into, uh, where are we going first? We're going into this month in video game history in October of 1984, Nihon Falcom releases dragon Slayer, which lays the foundations for the action role-playing game genre. I wonder if you have to slay any dragons. I'm pretty sure you do. Um, I think it might be a space game.
1: Yeah, I, I was thinking, you know, somewhere along the lines of like an open world Star Wars game.
0: Yeah, that's what it sounds like.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but no, I've, I, I've heard the name. I want to say we've talked about Dragon Slayer on the show before. I believe we have. Yeah. Every time I, I see I've,
0: it, it it makes me think of Dragon Warrior, but I, I, I know it's not Dragon Warrior.
1: Yeah, same with me. I do like. I'm looking at the Wikipedia now. I like their logo. Oh yeah, where the D looks like a dragon. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I love the the, the the
0: cover art. It looks like something that would be on the side of like a you know a van back in the seventies. Oh, for sure.
1: (laughs) Uh, In October of 1986, Sierra Online expands their Quest line with King's Quest III. I can't talk tonight. Mm -hmm. To Air is Human and Space Quest One: The Sarian Encounter.
0: Yeah, Sierra Online was releasing like two games a month back in the '80s. So, the, uh, <laughs> yeah, it seems like we're always talking about some kind of a quest game from Sierra Online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we have talked about them
1: uh, quite
0: a bit on this show. And October 5th of 1988, Origin Systems releases Ultima V: Warriors of Destiny. This was the first game in the Ultima series to implement a time of day system with day night cycles and daily schedules for non player characters. That's a cool mechanic in games, but it kind of bugs me sometimes when I'm playing an RPG with like a day night mechanic and there's only certain things you can do, like in the day or the night, or people that you can only interact with at certain times of the day. Like that kind of bugs me sometimes. It depends on how you do it. Uh, There are some that have been,
1: you know, real time. So if you're playing the game at night, there was some game, it was for the GameCube that implemented the GameCube's internal clock. Mm. Where if you played the game at, say, 8 o'clock at night, the game would be set at night.
0: Was it? But if Animal you were playing Crossing? it at
1: 10 o'clock in the morning, then you were playing it in the morning. Was it
0: Animal Crossing or
1: something like that? It might have been Animal Crossing.
0: Yeah, I, that sounds really familiar. I w- I've never played the Animal Crossing games, but people really like that, that series of games.
1: Yeah. So it, it really depends on how you do it. I mean, I've played some where you know it goes from day to night fairly quickly, which I'm not a huge fan of because I like to take my time in exploring. You know, the day-exclusive content yeah. and the night-exclusive content, so it really just depends.
0: Yeah, well, it depends on the game, too. Like, I, I didn't mind—sometimes it got on my nerves in uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, like the uh, the day-night mechanics. Uh, like, I would go to sell something at a shop, and then I, I needed some money or needed to get something, and, like, the shop would be closed, and I would have to wait until morning. yeah. Uh, on
1: October 23rd, 1988, Nintendo releases Super Mario Brothers 3 for the Famicom in Japan, which includes the first appearance of the Koopalings. And that's actually today when
0: we're recording, so happy birthday, mm-hmm. Super Mario Brothers 3. Mm-hmm. Best Mario what, Brothers game ever. It's what, the 30-year
1: <laughs> anniversary? Yes. That's crazy to think about. I know. So happy 30th to the to one of the best... Mario Brothers games ever made.
0: <laughs> that remains to be seen, but we'll, we'll, I digress. That That's uh. a debate that will never die. <laughs> never. Uh, on October 29th of 1988, the Sega Mega Drive is released in Japan, uh, known over here in America as the Sega Genesis. Mm-hmm. We've talked about the Genesis. I feel like we've been talking about the Genesis
1: a little more recently than we did, like, say, when we first started doing the show. Yeah.
0: I don't know actually, with me, I think. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say I'm I'm kind of excited about the uh the Sega bundle that's gonna be coming out for the Switch uh early next year.
1: Shall we take a drink because you mentioned the Switch? Yeah, damn it. <laughs> drink, Wally. <laughs> no, I, I am too. You know, it's I've I've mentioned this several times, but the only Sega games I've really played were ones in the Sonic series. So with that bundle, I'm interested to see you know, if there were any other really good games for it. Yeah. October 3rd of 1989, Broderbund releases Prince of Persia for the declining Apple II, having been in development since 1985. Ports to
0: other systems turned the game into a hit. I had no idea that franchise was that old. I didn't either. I mean, I knew it was old. I didn't know it was started in 1985. That's crazy. It took them four years to make that game. I always thought Prince of Persia was like a mid-90s thing. Yeah, it feels like a 90s thing to me, too. Or maybe even late 90s with the PlayStation. Yeah. I mean, I I remember Prince of Persia um, being on, you know, you could get it for computer uh, Mm -hmm. back in the 90s. But it it wasn't something I ever played. Like, it, it never really interested me to play that game.
1: Yeah, same. I know they made it into a movie and it did not get very very good reviews.
0: I didn't even see the movie. (laughs) I didn't either. Uh, On October 3rd, also also October 3rd of 1989, Maxis releases Will Wright's SimCity, the first of the Sim games and a revolutionary real-time software toy. I like the Sim games.
1: I've played SimCity for the Super Nintendo. Um, It's actually a game that probably sooner rather than later I will review on this show because Mm -hmm. it's one that I've kind of gotten the itch to go back and play again. I
0: have too recently.
1: I don't know why, because it wasn't like a game that, you know, I liked it, but it was never an all-time favorite for me. But really, over the last month or two, I've been thinking off and on, I really want to go back and play SimCity for Super Nintendo.
0: Yeah, I just uh, actually just recently purchased Populous. For the Super Nintendo, which is sort of a SimCity type of game. Um, right. And I'm I'm probably going to review that pretty soon, because I really want to play that game. I haven't played it in years. Yeah, I just want to build a city and then
1: have Bowser destroy yeah. it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> That was it's, the best part about SimCity.
1: Yeah. Uh, let's see. October 11th, 1989, the Atari Corporation releases the Lynx handheld console with color and backlighting.
0: Yeah, we just talked about this not too long ago, the Lynx. I don't remember what we talked about, though.
1: Yeah, I I think we were talking about maybe the Game Gear. Maybe. And then somehow the Lynx came up. Like, I'm looking at a picture of it right now. It's not a very appealing system as far as looks
0: goes. It was a really powerful system, handheld system. It was way more powerful than the Game Boy, but it just didn't have, I don't know, it just didn't have that Game Boy magic to it. I wonder how long the battery life was in this thing. Oh, probably about 15 minutes.
1: Let's see. Uh, In 91, they released an improved links with uh, better battery life, so maybe it lasted 20 minutes. Maybe. (laughs) Who knows? Uh, Let's see. Uh, It says here four to five hours, but then three to four hours for the game
0: gear. I disagree with that 100%. Hmm. I never had a Game Gear, so I I, I really didn't play many handheld consoles, so oh. I don't know how long the batteries would have lasted back then.
1: God, Game Gear I had sucked up so much battery life. I, I thought <laughs> I had a witty remark for it, but I don't.
0: <laughs> uh, also, uh, October 14th of 1989, the Sega Mega Drive released in North America as the Sega Genesis. I thought the Genesis was, was released in America in eighty eight. I've got that all wrong. Yeah,
1: I did too. Wait, because... That's interesting because Sonic didn't come out until 91.
0: Yeah. Well, the pack-in game for the Sega Genesis was um, Altered Beast for the first couple of years. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah.
1: Interesting. Uh, In October of 1992, Sega releases Virtua Racing by Yu Suzuki and AM2 in the arcades, laying the foundations for subsequent 3d racing games and popularizing 3d polygon graphics among a wider audience
0: virtual racing uh i'm trying to remember which game this is let me look this up real quick i'm going to go on wikipedia
1: yeah because virtual racing doesn't sound very
0: familiar to me uh let's see virtual racing um, i don't remember this no i thought it was something else i Every time I see something like that, it makes me think of like, um, remember that game Ridge Racer? Mm-hmm. That's what it reminds me of when I see stuff like this.
1: Interesting. Hmm. Let's see is
0: the next one's you, right? Uh yeah. Uh in October of nineteen ninety two, Gremlin Graphics releases Zool. A character-based platformer following in the footsteps of Mario and Sonic. It goes on to become the best-selling Amiga game. Let me look this up. Zool. Lucky they didn't get uh, sued by the Ghostbusters. Zool. (laughs) Zool, Ninja of the Nth Dimension. This actually looks kind of cool. Yeah,
1: I would have played this game.
0: Yeah, I would have played this. This looks awesome. It's
1: a a pure platformer relying on smooth, fast-moving gameplay. Its protagonist is Zul, a gremlin ninja of the nth dimension who is forced <laughs> to land on Earth in order to gain ninja rankings. He has to pass seven lands, beating a boss at the end of each of them.
0: Hmm. I wonder if you can pick yeah. this up on like good old games or something, or uh, Steam.
1: I'll have to save this one, because I, I would totally play this game. Like, this too. game is absolutely something I would have played when I was a kid. This looks great.
0: I'm going to go back and check mm-hmm. this out. For sure. Let Wally's me save probably, Wally, Wally's probably screaming at at his phone right now, going, You've never heard of soul. How can you not know what soul <laughs> is? Uh, let's see. October 8th of 1992,
1: Midway Games releases the Mortal Kombat arcade game in North America, which features bloody fatalities, fatalities digitized characters, and started a franchise of games and movies. Toasty! One of the... Most successful video game franchises, especially of the '90s, I
0: mean, Mortal Kombat
1: was huge. Oh yeah, at that time.
0: Well, we had um, back at the restaurant that I worked in back in the '90s, we had a uh, a sit down uh, cocktail um, Miss Pac Man, and we had a Mortal Kombat Two machine in the back of the restaurant. Man, I cannot tell you how many quarters I spent on um Mortal Kombat 2 playing Baraka.
1: Yeah, I I kind of feel bad or not feel bad but feel kind of left out in a way because I never really had like the the full arcade experience or growing up you know with arcades because yeah. we didn't really have any in the town that I lived in.
0: Yeah, we had one really popular arcade here in the, the local mall. Called Aladdin's Castle, and man, I have so many memories of that place. Uh, going in there and just playing video games, and it it wasn't like the arcades are now. Like you go, like we have one at the bowling alley. We also have a, a really big one at um, Margaritaville, but it's mostly filled up with those ticket games. Like there aren't very many like old school, just stand up arcade games. You know, yeah. No,
1: we we had, I think we had two in Pensacola, but, you know, when I was a kid, I lived an hour away, so yeah. the only time I ever really got to play was if I came to town with my parents, and then I'd get to play for maybe 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah. So I didn't have, like, an easily accessible one.
0: Yeah, I miss the sound of the arcades, man. You walk in, and all you hear... Uh you you hear Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you hear The Simpsons, you hear like Narc, uh just mm-hmm. all those great games just blaring at you and just is like a cacophony of just noise coming out of the arcade. It was it's like this magic uh dimension that you walk into when you walk through the, the door of the arcade. Like I just miss that so much. Oh, absolutely. Man. Good times. For sure. Uh, On October 15th of 1992, Sega releases the controversial Night Trap video game for the Sega CD console. That was actually just released not too long ago for the Switch, which uh, I'd like to get, but uh, I haven't had any time to do anything lately.
1: Let's just hope it doesn't pass you by. Ah, It's not going to pass me by. (laughs) Uh, That's good stuff. Wow. 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 <laughs> and closing out this month in video game history, I feel like you put this one in here for me.
0: Absolutely. Uh,
1: October 21st, 1992, Mario Land 2: Six Golden Coins is released for the Game Boy, which features the first appearance of Wario.
0: You're going to be reviewing uh, that soon, too, huh? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I recently went back and played all the old
1: Mario Land games, and I, I will say 2 is probably my favorite. Just because it's got some unique aspects that I don't think have been repeated in any other Mario games since then. But I will save that discussion for another time.
0: You know, I went to the Play and Talk this weekend to look for a, um, a Super Game Boy so that I could start playing some Game Boy games. And, you know, a couple months ago when I wasn't really looking for a Super Game Boy, they were lousy with them. They were just all over the place. Now that I'm actually looking for one, they don't have them. I didn't have any.
1: That's always how it goes.
0: <sighs> always.
1: Yeah, I need to go back to the video game trading post. I I haven't been, haven't
0: been there in like two months. I wish we could have gone to the play and talk while you were in town, man. That would have been nice. We should. I mean, we we should have. Like, how far away was it from the convention center? Mm, I'd say maybe fifteen minutes. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, about, we we about had 15, the time. Minutes. Yeah, it, if we could but, have gone, it, it would have been nice. Maybe next time.
1: Well, there's there's always next time.
0: You could always take just take a trip over here one day. It's only an hour and a half away.
1: It's actually not that bad of a drive. Yeah,
0: it's not. I actually want to take a trip over to Pensacola the next couple of weeks just to get the hell out of town for a little while. It's good to do that. If if you do, if you do,
1: let me know, and I'll. If it's like during the week, I'll take the day off, or if it's on a weekend
0: hopefully it's one that i don't have to work we can go get some fish and chips at um uh, what's the name of that place the the irish place mcguire's mcguire's oh i love mcguire's they do have they have really good fish and chips so good but on that note let's go ahead and we're gonna go into our review for tonight and since it is the halloween season i have been playing this game Is Castlevania 3 Dracula's Curse? And I know everybody's saying, hey, you reviewed Castlevania and now you're reviewing Castlevania 3. Well, what happened to Castlevania 2? This is our show. I can review whatever I want out of any order I want. So there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, I just I really wanted to play Castlevania 3. I uh, procured myself a copy of it not too long ago. And um, I. I just wanted to play this because I haven't played it in decades, um, and I just, I know it. it's, people talk about it as one of the best Castlevania games, not as well as one of the best Nintendo games that you can get, and um, <clears throat> I really just wanted to go back and play it, especially after playing uh, Bloodstained a couple of weeks ago, which I reviewed on the, sh- on the show. And Bloodstained is a new game that came out about two or three months ago for the Nintendo Switch. And it is heavily, heavily based on Castlevania three. But there's one uh, thing. as uh, Bloodstained is actually pretty easy. I beat it in just a couple of hours. I've yeah. been playing uh, Dracula's Curse every night for like two weeks now. And I'm looking, I didn't know how far into the game I was, and I, and they have a list here on the uh, the Wikipedia page of the different blocks in the game. Uh, like block one is Wallachia Village, block two is Clock Tower of Untimely Death. I had no idea how far into the game I was. I thought I was pretty close to the end. I'm nowhere near it. I'm only like halfway through the game. That's And wild. you want to know why I'm only halfway through the game? Probably freakishly hard. Oh my god, dude. (laughs) It is holy hell on a hockey stick. This game is freaking hard, man. And not only is it just hard for hard's sake, it's it's frustratingly hard at time like times. Like there are so many needless deaths in this game. Like the amount of knockback that you get in this game just from poor enemy placement to I would just fall off an edge because I was trying to go down or up a staircase and just would just fall for no reason, just fall trying to go go on a staircase and let me tell you, Castlevania One is one of my favorite games for the Nintendo. I love that game. I've beat it several times. I can play it any time, but there's a lot of just you know straightforward. Uh, levels in there, not, uh, you know, platforming and stuff. But this game, Dracula's Curse is lousy with staircases. There are staircases everywhere in this game. I'm so tired of seeing staircases. Are there staircases on top of staircases? Oh my God, they're everywhere in this game. <laughs> Um, But a little bit about this game. It's the third Castlevania video game produced for the the NES. It was published by Konami in Japan in 89, North America in 1990, and Europe in 92. It was later released on the Wii Virtual Console. It is notorious for its difficulty, you can say that again. And like its predecessors, it is also notable for its highly regarded soundtrack. Man, the music in this game is top-notch. I mean, I love the Castlevania music in the first game. But man, this music is something about those Kon- Konami games, man. They knew how to make good good 8-bit music. Well, that's something in general
1: when it comes to especially like your NES and your Super Nintendo music. There's just something about it that's so much more iconic than your more modern soundtracks. Like don't get me yeah. wrong, I love the Halo soundtrack, And I love the soundtrack to say like Breath of the Wild or Mario Odyssey, but they don't hold a candle, at least in my eyes, like those old
0: school games. Yeah, and I think a lot of what has to do with it is because you go through these levels so many times, because you die so many times, that it just kind of gets burned in your brain. And the thing about it is they had to make music that wouldn't like grate on your nerves. So, mm-hmm. you know, they would make really good, like melodic, you know, melodies that you could listen to over and over again. And they would just kind of get burned in your brain and you hear them and it just instantly brings up memories of childhood, you know? Oh,
1: absolutely. And I was, when I was doing my podcast interview on Sunday, that was something that we talked about is how, you know, visuals are one thing, but to me, music, especially, to me is the best when it comes to invoking an emotional response whether yeah. it's you know childhood memories or feeling of anxiety or happiness there's just something about music that does that
0: oh absolutely i mean you that that's hitting the nail right on the head it's so connected to you know emotion and you know being a kid like just I'm kind of at that weird age now. I'm in my 40s where I do a lot of like daydreaming about, you know, when I was a kid and the things that I loved, and especially Nintendo games. And it's just I play these games and they instantly take me right back to being like 11, 12 years old again.
1: Oh, same with me. You know, I'll I'll go through and listen to link to the past, or say the Mario World soundtrack, or some other Super Nintendo game. And it's almost like I'm transported back to my room at the house I grew up in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I can just picture, you know, seven or eight-year-old me, <laughs> or however, I, however old I was at the time, just sitting on the edge of my bed, looking up at my TV, playing those games. Oh, yeah.
0: You know, I it's, was actually thinking the other day, you know what would be a really cool virtual reality experience if there was some sort of almost like Minecraft where you could go in and actually recreate, like, your childhood bedroom and be able to play, like, Nintendo or Sega uh, within that virtual environment. Oh, that would be great. I should patent that idea. <laughs> well, this is
1: kind of a side note, but this was a couple of years ago. Um, you know, I had my both my grandparents pass away within, like, a short time frame of each other. Mm-hmm. And after I think it was my grandpa's funeral, for some reason I was in that area and I decided, you know what? No, it was after my grandma's funeral because I forgot she passed away first. I went to just I had this wild idea because I hadn't been there in so long. I went to the house that I grew up in. Like no one had been living in it for a while and it Mm -hmm. looked like crap, but it was surreal. In a way, like I couldn't go in because everything was bolted shut. Yeah. But I could look through the windows and I even saw, you know, the room that was my room. Yeah. And it looked completely different, but it was still like it, I felt like I was in a movie. It was it was surreal. Yeah. Well,
0: I, would I mean say that
1: like it. It was almost like I could look in and picture, you know, the <laughs> younger version of myself.
0: Yeah. Well, like my parents still live in the house that I grew up in but it's different now like you know they've they've had so much remodeling done and things like that and the rooms don't look anything like they did when i was a kid so it's not quite the same mhm so uh, you know i would love to have just some sort of virtual environment where i could just completely recreate i mean com- down to like the the carpeting where i could recreate like my childhood bedroom yeah that would be great i think it'd be awesome You should patent that. I should. But um, the plot of Castlevania Jack Dracula's Curse is a prequel to the original Castlevania. It's set a few centuries before the events of the original game. This game's protagonist is Trevor Belmont, an ancestor of the original hero Simon Belmont. And Castlevania Three is actually what uh, the Castlevania series on Netflix is based on, which is really cool like I had no idea what the plot of Castlevania 3 is but that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, and um it's uh unlike Castlevania however, Castlevania 3 is non-linear, which I thought was cool. It kind of took the elements of the first game and the second game because the second game is way more like RPG-ish. Um but this one kind of takes some of those elements and combines it with the first one. Uh, Trevor, the main character, can be assisted by one of three possible assistant characters. Which this is the first game to kind of do that, which they did very well um, in uh, Bloodstained, uh, where you can actually have a character, other characters, go with you, and you can switch between characters uh, just by hitting mm-hmm. the select button. But the thing that sucks about it, I wish they would have made it to where it was, it would be like um, the original Ninja Turtles game where you could switch between characters and um that character would have a full health bar, but it doesn't work like that. Like the health bar is what it is. If you switch between yeah. characters, you know, you only have three three notches on your health bar. If you switch characters, it doesn't fill back up, which I think that sucks. Yeah. It, was it bloodstained like that as well? No. Um I not that I remember. I think I think that if you switch characters it um the each character had their own uh, health bar, but I'm gonna have to go back and play that now that you say that. I don't remember. Well, they
1: I know the health meter was different for every character,
0: yeah. I don't remember. I mean, I'd love to go back and play through it again, that's no problem, yeah. Um, but this one is uh, after completing the first level uh, several points throughout the game, the player is given a choice of two branching paths to follow, the player can obtain multiple endings depending on the choices they make throughout the game, and also who you finish the game with, the other characters. Because you can only take one character with you through each level, uh, but you can get uh, different characters to go with you, and they each sort of have their own different um, uh, you know, uh, attacks and things like that. So that's really cool. And this is the game that's actually uh, introduced Alucard, which um, he is Dracula's son. Uh, mm-hmm. Who is also in the Castlevania series, which that should be coming out soon, shouldn't it? It doesn't come out. Comes on a, out on um, Friday. Ah, can't wait! Oh my gosh! Yep, awesome. Hmm, that's what I'm going to be doing Friday night. Uh, I'm going to be doing that too. I forgot it was coming out. I mean, I didn't forget yeah. it was coming. I just knew it was coming out soon. I just didn't know when.
1: Yeah, I I looked it up right before we started because I I remembered that you were reviewing this
0: game and I was like, wait, shouldn't the series be coming out soon? And yeah, it comes out on Friday. Uh, here are the names of the other characters. Uh, Sypha Belnades, a young sorceress with poor physical attack power, but powerful elemental magic spells at her disposal. Grant DeNasty, I think I'm saying that right, a pirate with the ability to <laughs> climb on walls and change direction mid-jump. Um, I want to hang out with that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go hang out with Dynasty. Um, and Alucard, Dracula's son, a-, a Dampir, with the ability to shoot fireballs and transform into a bat which is very awesome in this game because there's sometimes you just don't feel like playing the level so you just turn into a damn bat and just get through it without touching anything but That's it does awesome. take a lot of uh of your heart power when you do that it's like one heart per second so yeah it's kind of it's basically the same mechanics as Bloodstained if you've played Bloodstained yeah no, I've I've
1: I played. I I actually really liked Bloodstained.
0: It's so good, but Bloodstained is a a walk in the park compared to this game. And it is so freaking hard and frustratingly hard at times where I would just literally want to throw my controller through the TV.
1: Yeah, I haven't played Castlevania 3. I've only played uh the first one. So I don't have a ton of knowledge to go off of when it comes to Things Castlevania related, but I, d- I do really like the first one.
0: And that's the thing. I love the first game. And you would think I would love this one equally. I mean, don't get me wrong. This game is be- definitely better than part two because I'm just, I'm not a fan of part two. I, it's okay, but it's just, there's a lot about it just to not like, which I will be reviewing it soon. I just, it's been a long time since I've played it. But this one is. There's way too many staircases, and there's way too many just stupid, unnecessary deaths in this game, and it gets frustrating to the point where I just didn't even want to play anymore, where I would just shut it off and be like, I'll just come back to it later. Um, It's uh, The knockback in this game is ridiculous. I mean, Ninja Gaiden level ridiculous, where... There are so many platforms to fall off of. If you get knocked back by anything, you are falling off of a platform to your death. I mean, that's just that's just the way this game rolls.
1: Well, that's the thing about you know, we've discussed the differences between, you know, hard to the extent of it kind of drives you to keep doing it. And then there's the hard where you just get angry and throw your controller and walk away. Well, this game kind of
0: It rides that line, what what you just said. That's what it sounds like. I mean, I would love to just heap praise upon this game, and don't get me wrong, it's worth buying. If you're into the Castlevania series, if you have a Nintendo, it's worth the purchase, but just go into it knowing that you're going to be very frustrated playing this game. It's not... You know, I can play the first Castlevania without um getting too frustrated um there's a lot of parts in in the game like a couple of boss fights that give me trouble, but for the most part, that game's very enjoyable, but that's also because I've been playing it for thirty years. This one is just it's it's hard for just hard's sake, and I think a lot of the a lot of it is the programming and just the way. Trevor Belmont moves and how slow he is with the whip uh and just bad uh you know enemy placement and the knockback which almost always is going to knock you off of a platform to your death and the stupid staircases like too many damn staircases in this game staircaseception but I love the the aesthetic of the game I love the way the game feels like I just love that Old school horror um, aspect to it, like the Dracula and and fighting uh, Frankenstein's monster, and just all you know the mummies that you got to fight as bosses. Like it's just a really fun aesthetic as a video game, but it's just it's really frustrating. And sometimes I would be in the mood to just keep going and keep going and get further and further, and then there's just sometimes where I was playing it, I was just like, ah, screw this.
1: And that's never a. Good thing to me. Yeah. Usually games like that, I won't say every time, but more often than not, if I ever get to that point, I
0: I don't go back and finish the game. Yeah, but that's I mean, just. I, I'm gonna try to finish this game, but I think it's gonna take me a long time. Like I can play Castlevania One and beat it within a couple of hours if mm-hmm. I really sit down and and try to finish it. But this one, man, I just don't know. <laughs> I mean, I if I give this a, a, a number grade uh, out of 10, I'm going to give it a 7 just because the graphics are fantastic. It's a beautiful... Like, some of the best graphics you can get for the Nintendo. Some of the best music you can get for the, Ninten- the Nintendo. But as far as the gameplay and the controls, it's a little stiff, like that. but that's kind of a... That's, you know, that's kind of the uh, stamp of the Castlevania games is Simon and Trevor are a little stiff when you play them. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, that's going to knock it a little bit. But, you know, I like the Castlevania games. I love the TV show. It's it's based off of this one. I love the story for the games. And that kind of gives it more of a pass for me. But... I I do have to knock this one a little bit. I don't remember what grade I gave the first Castlevania. I remember it being pretty high. I think I gave it like a 9 or a 9.5. This one's going to get a solid 7, but I also haven't finished it. I'm only about halfway through the game. But, I mean, I do have to recommend it because it is, it does look great. It sounds great, but you do have to have a bit of patience to get through this game. It
1: definitely, you've definitely intrigued me as far as wanting to play it. Because, you know, I, I do want to play through, I want to try and beat the first one, and then I want to play the second one and the third one as well. So uh, at some point, you know, I, I feel like I say that a lot on this show, but
0: at some point I will get to it. And like I said before, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about Castlevania two You know, it's a lot different than these two games. Uh, it's very, uh, it's sort of almost like uh It suffers from Zelda 2-itis, you know, where it kind of added in, you know, it's like a side-scrolling, open-world RPG type of game. And I think with a walkthrough, it's a lot more enjoyable. So I'm going to play it with a walkthrough and try to finish it and see how I feel about it. Because I didn't like it as a kid. But I've heard from a lot of different people that it is enjoyable if you have a walkthrough. So I'm going to experiment and actually do that and see how I feel about it. Yeah, that's not a bad idea.
1: I, there, there's nothing wrong with using, you know, a walkthrough. I mean, I, I do it. I've gone back and played through some games that I couldn't beat when I was younger, and you know, just look online and find a a walkthrough or some type of, you know, strategy guide or something like that.
0: And I did use a code for Castlevania 3, the Help Me" code. If you enter in the, the name, uh, if it, asks, it always asks you your name when you start the game. If you enter in "Help Me," you get 10 lives uh, per continue, which, uh, you know, you normally have three. Yeah, it gives you 10, but it really doesn't help. <laughs> like I go through so many lives in this game.
1: Yeah, I always feel like whenever I put in some type of code or I get a lot of lives, I go through them pretty quickly just because I don't know if it builds up my confidence so then I play, I won't say recklessly, but you know I'll kind of throw caution to the wind a bit more when it comes to risky situations and then I end up dying more often than not.
0: Yeah, I would say that, but not with this game. Like, It feels like the more careful I try to be, the worse I am. Like, uh, there there was one, what was the name of the level? Uh, the Haunted Ship of Fools I was playing the other night, and I got so frustrated. I, I, <laughs> there was one part in the ship where I kept falling off of the same staircase over and over again. Like, I wasted all ten lives on this one stupid staircase that I kept falling off of. And I got so frustrated. I quit the game and was like, "I'm never playing this stupid game again." But then, of course, I went back and got. I finally got past it. And, and I don't know. It's like it feels like the more careful I was trying to be, the worse I was doing. I've done that as well. Yeah. Uh, but also, the Japanese game magazine Famitsu gave it a 30 out of 40 score. Nintendo Power listed it as the ninth best NES video game, praising it for its strong improvements over previous entries. Game Informer's Tim Turi felt that it was a return to form after Castlevania 2. Uh, GamesRadar ranked it the eighth best NES game ever made. Uh, IGN placed it as a fifth on their list of top 100 NES games. Wow. Um, and I think that's it, yeah. That's pretty high praise. I know. Uh, it was it also, also featured
1: in, as an episode on the uh, yeah. 1991 animated cartoon Captain N, the Game Master. I love that cartoon. It's so bad, I did but too. I still
0: love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so
1: Mother Brain was a little much, but it was a fun yeah. show.
0: Uh, but it did say that uh, this was uh, revealed in February two two thousand seventeen that this series will be an animated series on Netflix uh, to air on July seventh two thousand seventeen. So this article is a little bit old, but uh, but yeah, this is uh, this is what the the uh, Netflix series was based on was this game. hmm
1: And it's a very good series, which everyone who's listening should go watch
0: oh yeah if you haven't watched it definitely go watch it before it drops uh season two drops on uh on halloween we should watch it and then when it comes out on friday and then review it next week we should that sounds cool oh actually next week we have to do our uh our movie thing oh yeah that's right our we do. halloween episode <laughs> <laughs> But that's all I gotta say for Castlevania Three. Anything else you wanna bring up about it before we get out of here?
1: No, it's just like I said earlier, you know, you talking about it being as frustratingly hard as it is. It, it intrigues me to want to try it. I think you should so at, at some point I will get to it.
0: I really think you should. I think it's worth playing, but just know what you're in for. I I will definitely keep that in mind. But uh, I don't have any uh, listener emails or anything lined up for this week. Um, I'll get I'll get to all that next week. But I, I know some of you guys have been talking to us on uh, Facebook and Twitter. So I'll get to that soon. But uh, I actually need to get out of here tonight because I got a birthday party to go to and that's going to be fun. Plus there's food and I haven't eaten all day and I'm starving. Yeah, me too. So Derek, anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here tonight?
1: Uh, no, just um, I am picking up steam on... Uh, pre-production for my short film so if anybody wants to uh, keep up with that just go to the parker syndrome on facebook and instagram i'll probably make a twitter sometime uh, in the next week or so and then when things really get going i'm gonna make the website so uh, facebook and instagram for right now
0: awesome well, let me go ahead and read our stuff here. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We are at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro. And you can follow us individually at jfantastic and at Derek underscore Diamond. We're on Facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And if you don't have a buck a month to throw our way... Go leave us a review wherever you listen to the show. That helps us get in front of more people and more ears make the show go higher in the rankings. And the more people that listen to it, the better. So go do that. So let me go ahead and say this. Derek, tell them what it's all about. May the way of the hero
1: lead to the Triforce.
0: Yes.